This is People Every Day. Coming up, George Floyd's sister Latanya on missing her brother a year later. In this world, I want to keep his name alive. Plus, author of bestseller How to Be an Anti-Racist, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi reflects on his work to help close the racial divide. It's May 25th. Hello, everyone. This is People Every Day, and I am your host, Janine Rubenstein. It's Tuesday and a day that marks a tragic anniversary. It has now been one year exactly since the murder of George Floyd at the hands of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. It was a murder that was filmed in its entirety and that the whole world watched, and one we now know has changed the world. It's brought police brutality and racial injustice into, I'd say, the sharpest focus it's been in since the beginning of the civil rights movement. This past year, we've seen marches and protests in Floyd's honor sweep the globe, and the movement and cry that is Black Lives Matter has grown exponentially. We've also seen numerous new videos of other Black and brown people dying at the hands of police in a tide that, despite it all, hasn't seemed to ebb. I remember it was mid-pandemic and my family had just ended our cross-country RV trip, a trip that took us through Minneapolis just a day prior to George Floyd's killing. We'd even had an encounter with police while we were there, and I wrote a short essay about this in People last year, but talking to my brother Trevor the next day on FaceTime, he cried like I had never seen him cry before. He doesn't cry, really. And I just remember his tear-stained face as he shook his head and said, he didn't deserve that. Why'd they do that to that man? Even though Derek Chauvin was recently convicted of murder and, and found guilty of all charges, I still can't answer that question. But I will say I'm not afraid of talking about the scourge of racism in this country anymore, calling it out and doing whatever I can to help eradicate it. I really don't care who doesn't want to hear it. The focus should be on who needs to. And because of George Floyd, so many people feel empowered in that way. And that's a good thing. It's something we're going to explore later in the show with Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, author of the bestseller, How to Be an Anti-Racist. I know you've heard of his book, which flew off the shelves last summer as a nation and namely white Americans realized how big of a problem racism still is in this country. But before talking to Dr. Kendi, let's take a minute to focus on George Floyd and his family. I had a phone call a bit earlier with his sister, Latanya, who was pretty busy, but she took a moment out of her day, this very somber day, to share with me how his daughter Gianna is doing now and how they are keeping his memory alive for her. Listen in. She, she misses her father. They were real close. They were very, very close. And uh, she would tell you right now, my dad changed the We um, bring back memories of her, of her when she was younger that she might can't remember and tell mm-hmm. her the things that they used to do. Her being on his shoulder, walking down the street, him swinging her around and you know, she got her hand up, that, that, that power sign that we use right now, she's always done that. Talking about all this today reminds me of a conversation I had with Slate writer Joel Anderson. He's also the host of the podcast Slow Burn about what is being done to really address the killing of black and brown people? Like, what is the debate happening around police brutality and police reform? And he had some interesting insight into just where we are and where things are going. Take a listen. Reasonable people can disagree on what change looks like. Like, there are a lot of people that believe abolish police is, you know, um, a reasonable request. Some people believe defund. But it's clear that something has to change with 
American policing as it is. And the issue is, do we have the collective will to make real lasting change, um, the sort of change that makes us less likely to be an unarmed victim uh, at the hands of the police? And, you know, there are a lot of people that are working on that, um, you know, activists, social scientists, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, there's all sorts of proposals out there. One of them can stick. I mean, in, fewer deaths is the ultimate goal. Um, and I, I don't know how we get there, but like that's, you know, that's our challenge, right? That's that's what we have to be working toward. Everyone, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi is on with me now. He is a man whose name and work has been on the lips of everyone, I mean, I know, since the last year. He's a contributing writer at The Atlantic and a CBS News contributor. But his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, took off in the wake of George Floyd and the multiple killings of black and brown people that took place last year. Uh, He is here now to discuss that in the wake of this very sad anniversary. But also, he's back with a new podcast, Be an Anti-Racist with Ibram X. Kendi. So we're going to get into that and more. How are you doing, Dr. Kendi? I am okay. It's it's interesting and um, traumatic and um, a historic day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it really is. I, I, I wanted to check in, I guess, uh, when you have, uh, something that you wrote in, in 2019, um, before this happened, long before it happened, and then it takes on a new life for something so tragic. Um, how does that feel for you as, as the author behind how to be an anti-racist? I think on the one hand, it is it is devastating personally that someone had to be sort of viciously murdered for people to recognize that there was a serious problem, a problem of of state violence, a problem of structural racism. And then obviously many of those people started thinking about, okay, what can they do? What can they be? And and I think you know, obviously some of those people came to my work and the work of many other writers. And so I, I wish that George Floyd's murder and, and the murder of Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and the disparities and the number of people of color who were more likely to die from COVID-19, you know, and, and even the former president weren't sort of driving people to my work. I, I, I wish that, you know, people were just looking in the mirror and, and, and seeing that they could grow and be better people and that we could transform this, this country. I wish that that's what was driving people. But I mean, obviously, we can only write. We can't really we can't really dictate how people reach our work. Yeah. And, and for those who haven't yet um, reached your work, what does it mean to be anti-racist? And how does this differ from being not racist? That refrain that you hear often, I, I'm not racist, I'm not racist. What is the titular difference there? Well, if we're, if we're being honest, when do people typically declare to the world, I'm not racist? They typically say that after they've actually done or said something that oftentimes is indeed racist. And so they're defending themselves. They're denying the ways in which they're being racist. They're denying the ways in which their country or their institution or their community may be racist. And so in that sense, to be anti-racist is actually to admit the times in which we're being racist. (laughs) 
and, and because I think to be anti-racist, you're on a journey. You're on a journey to grow and to be better, to admit, to self-reflect, to be self-critical, to recognize that when we think Black people are dangerous, that idea is dangerous and we need to sort of overcome it as opposed to, to those people. And how can we overcome anything if we don't acknowledge it? But it's also, we're not just acknowledging our own internalized racist ideas just for the heck of it. We're doing, we're changing ourselves to transform our society, to see policies and practices as the problem and not people. That is so key there. When I went through your book, it was the sense that it's not this static thing. Like, no, you are not a racist, but we all, uh, despite race, color, creed, do racist things. And that is, it, was that correct? Does that take away yeah, true? So, you know, we've been taught that racist is a fixed category. That's who a person essentially fundamentally is. It's in their heart, it's in their bones. So then how do we explain a person who thinks on the one hand that Latinx immigrants are animals, which is a racist idea, but then on the other hand, you know, recognizes, you know, Asian Americans or Black Americans is just as brilliant as they are, which is an anti-racist idea. How do we account for that type of person? What we can say is when they degraded Latinx immigrants, they were being racist. If in the next moment they were recognizing the, the ways in which they're equal to, to Black and, and Asian folks, they're being anti-racist. Next up, even more from my interview with Dr. Kendi. Stay tuned. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Back now with Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, the author of How to Be an Anti-Racist. And Dr. Kendi, you write in your book, the only way to undo racism is to constantly identify it and describe it and then dismantle it. But you are seeing so much pushback now about just talking about it. I mean, there are people who are coming up against teaching, uh, you know, anti-racism and teaching critical race theory to students, to children, to anyone. Um, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's sad. Uh, you know, it's it's hurtful to teach these things. These are all things that are going on and being said. Uh, what do you make of that? What do you make of that pushback against just getting down to the meat of it and calling a spade a spade? So I think this is why I ended the book, ended How to Be an Anti-Racist, relating and, and comparing racism to cancer. Um, and as a cancer on our society. And, and when we think of a serious disease like cancer, like I faced, it's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable for us to even consider that a symptom that we're having is due to some serious disease. It's uncomfortable for us to go to the hospital and get checked out. It's 
devastating when we hear we do have a problem. But we also know that all of that, recognizing our symptoms, taking ourselves to get checked out, uh, listening and, and hearing the diagnosis, and then going through treatment, even though it's all uncomfortable, it's going to make us healthier. And, and so I, I think we understand that in different ways. It's the same thing with racism. Once we see the symptoms, once we get it checked out, once we go through the process of healing this country and ourselves, you know, we'll, we will be, we'll be healthier. Nice. I love the way you put that. Uh, so Derek Chauvin uh, was found guilty of all charges. Uh, did that surprise you in, in the case of George Floyd? Yes. <laughs> I was, I wish I had to take a, I, I heard it and then I had to hear it again. Um, I, I was, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was surprised. Would you say that that feels like a victory, like a turning point at all? Those I know those are two different things, but um, how, how does that sit with you in terms of, of the go forward? I, I think that the family of, of George Ford wanted this form of accountability. And and indeed, it is so rare for a police officer to be convicted of murder, um, even though police officers kill on average a thousand Americans every year. And, and so the, the fact that an officer was held accountable, you know, was certainly something that I think many people appreciated. But, but I think f for me, it's how do we eliminate, how do we, you know, there are countries in which officers haven't fired a shot in years, let alone killed people, right? How do we take that, create that type of nation? Wow. Uh, so so I, I got to ask about your podcast. Um, hello, fellow podcaster. <laughs> uh, what what are we going to be getting? Be an anti-race. I love how, you know, we've taken out the how and now it is just do it. Be an anti-racist with Ibram X. Kendi is the name of the podcast. What, what can we expect? Well, I, I think it's it's important. It was so important for me to to gather different experts who, and even prominent Americans who are familiar with different forms of racism. And so whether that's anti-Native racism, whether that's the intersection of racism and ableism, uh, and, and the reason for this was because I, I wanted people to have a very clear sense of how they should be fighting for the rights of Native people, or how they should be fighting for a different type of more anti-racist immigration system. You know, how should they be fighting for labor? You know, uh, to be very precise with and speaking to people who, who can convey this in, in, in a down to sort of earth way, so people can know exactly what they can do, exactly what they can be. I think many people are looking for that, and I wanted to provide that, and I'm excited to provide that with, with Be Anti-Racist. For sure, for sure. And that that is, you know, I'm so excited about that in the face of all of the pushback about just being educated on these things. Uh, so that's really exciting. And just I, I know I asked earlier, but uh, how how are you going to um, I know it, it's a very tough day, but is there anything that that you are doing personally outside of talking to me? Thank you to um, to just reflect on this day and, and commemorate the the man's life that was lost. I think that I earlier today, you know, when I had some time to really sit with it, 
you know, I remembered that what really sort of broke me down, because I, I think like many people, I, you know, heard about it, watched part of the video, and I was devastated, but I was sort of holding it in. And and I didn't really break down until I heard that um, Gianna, uh, George Floyd's daughter, what she most loved about her father was the way in which uh, he would put her on his his back and sort of, uh, you know, uh, walk her around and, and she would, you know, be flying like an airplane. And, you know, I have a daughter and, you know, she would, we would do the same thing. And so the thought of her losing me because someone didn't value my life, I mean, it, it just broke me all, all the way down. And so I just remembered that. And, you know, when I see my daughter, like many people, when they see their, their kids today, you know, I'm going to hug her that much tighter. Yeah. Um, so, so beautifully said. And it's, it's breaking me down again right now. Dr. Kennedy, thank you so much for taking the time out and um, just take it easy today. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Janine. Please, you take care too. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Right, you too. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. For more on him and his book, as well as his new podcast, Be an Anti-Racist with Ibram X. Kendi, head over to People.com. And now, something to make you smile. We are in the midst of Asian American and Pacific Islanders Heritage Month, and a quartet of Gen Zers is using music to stomp out hate. Uh, the group is called the Linda Lindas, and they are Asian and Latinx, ranging from ages 10 to 16 years old. And the unapologetic rockers have a hit song called Racist sexist boy, and it is quickly gaining steam and being called an anthem for the summer. It was inspired when a male classmate stopped being friends with one of the members because she is Chinese. Listen. Soon after their library performance of the song went viral, they signed a record deal. The Voice is a powerful weapon to bring about change, and they are doing just that. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Tomorrow.